0: And what these researchers are saying is that, you know what, if we're supplementing with all of this vitamin D and we're not seeing the same protective nature in those supplementing with vitamin D, then maybe we were all wrong. Maybe the level of vitamin D is not the thing that causes these issues. Maybe people who have these chronic issues, the body is reducing their vitamin D for a reason. Hey there, my name is Wendy, and I'm an environmental toxins lawyer who is obsessed with showing women how to toss the toxins out of their life and embrace a more holistic lifestyle. I'll be dishing up bite-sized, but binge-worthy episodes on all things detox, low toxins, that toxin, and what is it really doing to my health? I'm breaking it all down for you, separating the myths from the facts and pulling back the curtain on the products and beauty industry. You'll hear my unfiltered and sometimes unpopular but honest opinion. No topic is off limits. We'll dive into what's really causing our thyroid issues, hormone imbalances, infertility, and more. Think of it as a crash course for all things holistic living, but for real life, you don't have to do everything you just have to start somewhere. Let me show you how. This is the Detox Dilemma Podcast. Welcome to episode 17 of the Detox Dilemma Podcast. I am your host, Wendy. And today actually was not the podcast I originally had planned on recording. And actually I sat down to record the one that I already had planned. And something was really bothering me and I decided that rather than do what I had originally planned, I wanted to address a reel that I put on Instagram this week and kind of the reaction that I got from it. This past week, since the release of my sunscreen podcast, which is episode 16, if you want to take a listen to what's in your sunscreen and the impacts of lack of sunshine, go listen to that episode, but specifically what I posted on my reel was a direct quote from a published article called Insufficient Sun Exposure Has Become a Real Public Health Problem. And this study actually isn't even so much a study of its own. It was a, you know, a meta-analysis of hundreds of other studies. And the group of individuals that published this study, they are among the most published people on sun exposure health impacts. This is not just an ordinary group of people that got together to write this paper. This is the best of the best when it comes to published researchers. And what I said was quoted directly from a conclusion that this group of individuals made, which was that sun exposure we know decreases the incidence of breast cancer, hypertension, heart disease, metabolic syndrome, asthma, diabetes, all of it, right? We know that sun exposure reduces the risks of all of these, but they go on to say, however, oral vitamin D supplementation has not been convincingly shown to prevent the above conditions. And I will cite to this paper in the show notes. I actually think it's something everybody should read. It's extremely comprehensive. And the point that they were trying to make is this. We actually don't know a lot about how the body works. We have made this assumption that people who are chronically ill or have these types of diseases, they statistically, the majority of them have low vitamin D and the people that have a better level of vitamin D have fared better and have a decreased risk of mortality from all of these diseases. And so the assumption was made in the medical community pretty early on that the beneficial effect is the vitamin D and what these researchers are saying is that you know what if we're supplementing with all of this vitamin D and we're not seeing the same protective nature in those supplementing with vitamin D then maybe we were all wrong. Maybe the level of vitamin D is not the thing that causes these issues. Maybe people who have these chronic issues the body is reducing their vitamin D for a reason. And then the other idea that they had, a theory that they said is backed by a lot of science is that the other benefits of sun exposure, because sun exposure is seen as a benefit in all of those diseases. And maybe that vitamin D level is just a proxy for somebody who is out in the sun a lot, which means they're probably getting better exercise, which means it's somebody who's probably in better health. And that the other things that the sun does, like increase the nitric oxide that's created and the way that it works with our blood vessels, maybe there are things that the sun is doing that UV radiation is doing in our body that is the actual beneficial thing that is decreasing the risk of all of these diseases. Maybe it's actually not the vitamin D after all. So I want to dig into this and share some things because I know there's a lot of people taking a lot of vitamin D and I am never going to say or give medical advice to anyone and say, don't take vitamin D supplementation. Do take vitamin D supplementation. You need to work with somebody who you respect and you trust to figure out what works best for you. But what I do want to do in this episode is share some of the things that I have found along the way and some things that you should consider when you are deciding whether or not to take vitamin D because I know a lot of people that take it not because their doctor recommended it but because it's cool because it's seen as this miracle vitamin which it's actually a hormone and I'll get into that but it is seen as this thing that is oh it's a vitamin and it's very benign and it's not benign there are some downsides there are some health serious health consequences that come with the artificial increasing and supplementation of vitamin D. And I think that it's important that people know that. So I'm going to go over the three things that I think everybody should know before they start taking vitamin D supplementation. And then I'm also going to talk about other ways that you can boost your vitamin D that are not taking vitamin D, right? How can you support your body into more efficiently making vitamin D naturally. So we're going to do both of those things. So the first thing I want to bring up is these ranges and testing methods. The vast majority of doctors and all of the labs that run all of the testing will say that the best way to figure out if somebody has a vitamin D deficiency is to test their 25 OH, which is the typical thing that everybody gets, right? You go to a regular doctor. If you do a panel, you get it back. It's your 25 OH. And what they don't test for is the 125 OH. And in order to get a full picture of what your body is actually doing, you need to know what your ratio is between the 125 OH and the 25 OH. And I don't think that just measuring the one, the inactive form, you need the active form and the inactive form so you can figure out what your body's doing it's very similar to why i say testing for tsh when you have a thyroid issue and then only testing the inactive which is the t4 of the thyroid but you're not testing the t3 which is the form that you actually use you cannot get an entire picture so that's one of the problems is that people aren't testing for both and taking a look at the ratio you see ratios that are off all the time in those two things for with people that have autoimmune conditions Crohn's disease tons of inflammation So getting both of those tested can actually tell you a lot about what's going on in your body. And there's actually a lot of people out there calling me into question the ranges to begin with and claiming that there isn't a whole lot of science or support for the ranges that exist. And actually the amount of vitamin D on the 25 OH spectrum that you want to see in the blood for a normal range for somebody who's healthy is actually lower than what the normal reference ranges are. So there is controversy out there on whether or not, you know, if you get your results back and your doctor says you're low in vitamin D, there's some controversy about whether or not that's actually true. So issue number two is that vitamin D is actually a hormone. A lot of people don't know that. They think it's just a straight up vitamin. It is a hormone and it's also an immune suppressant. So a lot of times what happens is people who take a bunch of vitamin D start to feel better. <laughs> and it's because that vitamin D is acting as an immune suppressant in your body. So your immune system is not reacting to whatever chronic illness or whatever it is that you've got going on. Very similar to when you take birth control and you turn off your hormones and all of a sudden your PMS is gone and your acne is gone and you feel so much better. It's not because you actually solved the problem that was happening. It's because you put a band-aid on it. You turned it off. And so if you continue to turn your immune system response off by taking high doses of vitamin D, it's suppressing your immune system, you're just masking the original issue. And then the third thing that you should consider is this. There are consequences to taking isolated forms of vitamins. And this is one of the reasons why people ask me what I take for multivitamins. Or, you know, what B do I take or do, what do I take? And I'm actually not a super pro supplement person as a general course. I think that you should have all of your blood work and that you should strategically use supplements. I think in general, in the naturopathic and the holistic community, we throw supplements at everything. And when you change just one piece, just one thing, you can throw other things out of balance. So for vitamin D, for example, When you take vitamin D as a supplement, it actually increases your uptake of calcium in your body. Okay, well, what does that do? That then depletes and decreases your potassium. So if you're somebody who has a thyroid issue, now you're depleting your potassium and your potassium to calcium ratio is no longer optimal. Now you're gonna see thyroid problems. So you can see how just taking one thing can throw everything off. And that's why I'm a really big advocate as food for supplements and food as medicine, because food comes in a form that has all the cofactors with it. You're not going to find isolated nutrients in something that is food based. So that is why I always tell people from a multivitamin perspective, you know, take a organ, a beef liver supplement, say. At least it's a whole food that comes with a huge variety of essential minerals and vitamins, as well as choosing multivitamins that are whole food-based supplements, and they're not full of isolated synthetic ingredients. So those are the three things I would definitely consider, and my purpose here is to make you think make you kind of question the status quo you know the vitamin industry the vitamin d supplement industry is having a heyday right now everyone is on massive quantities of vitamin d and it's interesting to me because i know so many people that take so much vitamin d and they're still so sick they still have so much chronic illness and in oftentimes taking their vitamin d doesn't increase their 25 oh so they stay deficient and they wonder why Are you reading labels, but you don't even really know what you're looking at, let alone know which ones are toxic, and wondering if you really need to spend 8 bucks on an all-natural cleaner made of nothing but vinegar, and how much of this marketing is just a bunch of greenwashing anyway? If you're confused, you are in good company. That was me when I first started detoxing my home, but now I've helped hundreds of families do it simply and without the overwhelm using my Tossing the Toxins roadmap. The best part, it is completely free. I wanted to create the perfect toxin-free cheat sheet and then give it away to anyone who wanted it. The roadmap walks you through what areas to focus on first that will give you the best bang for your health buck. You can download what I call the Toxic 20, which is my top 20 ingredients to avoid right to your phone. It's jam-packed full of easy-to-follow steps on embracing a low-tox life. My only goal was to make it simple, like crazy simple. If you're ready to start detoxing your life, go download your free roadmap at www.tossingthetoxins.com. So let's talk about some things that people can do to increase the uptake and conversion of vitamin D. Things that you can do naturally that are not taking supplements or rather not supplementing with vitamin D. And I don't think it's going to be a surprise that the very first thing I'm going to say is that you need to go outside and episode 16 is full of all of the reasons why we evolved with the sun. We are literally plants with complex feelings, every single mechanism in our body from our circadian rhythm to our hormone production, to our cortisol regulation, everything, everything in your body operates and is benefited and supported by UV sun exposure. It is so important And I think that 15 to 30 minutes every single day of having as much skin exposed as you possibly can out in the sun, you don't want to burn. Again, go back and listen to episode 16. Make sure you're using a toxin-free sunscreen. But get that morning sunshine time before the high UV radiation or the, you know, later on in the early evening. But getting direct unblocked sunshine is essential to making vitamin D. The second thing is something I've seen a ton, and this is my personal experience. I had a dysregulated vitamin D. My 25 OH and my 125 was way off, and that was because I had a Hashimoto's. I had an autoimmune disorder. And so that was something that was not surprising to me. And in order to fix that ratio, interestingly enough, I took vitamin D for a long time. So this is also like a personal experience journey of mine that I'm sharing in that I took a lot of vitamin D, like high quality vitamin D with the K2 and I did all the things that everyone says to do and my ratio did not change and my active form of D was still low, like really low. And so what I did was I stopped taking the vitamin D. I made sure I was getting a lot of sunshine. That was something that I was already doing. I was already getting outside unblocked regularly. But what I did was I increased my uptake of magnesium. And I did two things. One is I put magnesium glycinate. There's literally like, I think there's eight different forms of magnesium. So I know this is confusing when people say, just take magnesium. The next question is always which one. So I took magnesium glycinate every night. And then I also had a lotion form of magnesium chloride that I put on my body at night. And wouldn't you know it, adding magnesium as a supplement, regular part of my daily supplementation, totally resolved my ratio problem. And as my Hashimoto's improved and my antibodies went down, that also went down with it, which leads to that theory of Chronic illness, when your body is in a state of chronic inflammation, chronic illness, your body is really smart and it is suppressing your vitamin D for a reason. And my mind resolved. I don't take any vitamin D. I get a lot of sunshine. I still do my magnesium and my levels are great. So if you're somebody who maybe has been taking vitamin D supplements for a really long time and you, nothing is working, you're still quote unquote, Deficient if you are, if that's really, you know, if those ranges are really accurate, try doing magnesium. The other thing is that people don't realize that the vitamin D hormone, the synthesis actually happens in the liver. So, because the vitamin D conversion happens in the liver, if you have any kind of liver stagnation or dysfunction, you may not, your body may not be able to actually get to an optimal vitamin D level because it's not working correctly. <laughs> so giving yourself some liver love, working on your liver health. I love castor oil packs. That's something helping with liver detox. It's great. There's a lot of things that could be a whole episode on uh, in and of itself, but really focusing on your liver health is something that can improve your body's ability to convert your vitamin D. The other thing is there are vitamin D rich foods out there, There's two forms of vitamin D you can get from foods. The D2, which is what you get from plant-based foods, is not as optimal in your body. What you want is that animal-based D3 you can get from cod liver oil. Salmon, eggs are natural sources of it. And these things do not come with vitamin D as an isolated nutrient, right? It comes with all the cofactors, the fats that are involved in that because vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. So that's an option. As well. So, again, the point of this episode is not to tell you stop taking your vitamin D supplementation. It's really to start the conversation of questioning whether or not we're doing the right thing. If low vitamin D is our body's way of telling us we have chronic disease and is not the thing that causes the chronic disease, then we've been looking at vitamin D supplementation wrong this entire time. And that takes me back to the research article that started this entire thing over on my Instagram. And I'd really advise and suggest and encourage if you have an opportunity to read it, because really the conclusion that the people that are the most up to date on current research, what they're saying is this. We actually think we were wrong about the role that vitamin D plays in the decrease of chronic disease. We actually think it's sun exposure in general and the other benefits that you get from being outside and from sun exposure that are decreasing that risk of chronic illness. And it's not actually the number, the vitamin D level that are on these testings. And I think that's a really huge thing for these people in this industry To say. And I think people should listen to them. I think there's a lot of things about the human body and how it operates that we don't understand. And really, instead of trying to understand it better, we all kind of jump on these bandwagons because as soon as these, you know, we did have some, a lot of studies that show people that have low levels of vitamin D are at risk for chronic illness. And so the response to that was vitamin D completely blew up into this massive industry to the point that everyone is taking it. And nobody ever stopped to consider that maybe that was wrong. And I, I do think that there's enough over the last couple of years. This study was actually published in 2019. I think there's been enough since then as well that people really are starting to question it, starting to become much more acceptable to say like, Hey, maybe we should all take a step back and maybe research isn't the end all be all, (laughs) you know, maybe there's so much more that we need to know and we need to understand our bodies are really smart. So that's all. I hope you found this episode educational. If anything, I hope that it makes you ask some questions and maybe encourages you to make some dietary changes, maybe encourage you to get out into the sun a little bit more. And overall, just, you know, helps you think. And if you loved this episode, I would really appreciate it if you would share it, screenshot it, share it on your Instagram, tag me. I love resharing those. I love having conversations with my listeners on Instagram. And if you haven't had an opportunity to leave a review, that is really the only way that podcasts grow. Is if people leave them ratings and reviews, I read every one. I'm so grateful and appreciative for every single one that comes in. And I always try to reach out if I know you know, where you are in the Instagram world. So tagging me, sharing this podcast, sharing it with friends, word of mouth, that's how we grow. And my hope and my wish for you as always is that your life is getting just a little less toxic see you next week